Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is the Joe Martino Show. We are halfway through August, so today we need to have some fun. Let's talk about three things that we can do with our children, that we can teach our children, that will help them be better at communicating, help them regulate their emotions better, and that will help us parent them in a more effective way to becoming the adults that we want them to be, that they want to be. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. Okay, welcome back. Uh, So I want to talk to you today about something that my wife and I talk about pretty regularly with each other. We talk about it with clients, and today I want to talk about it with you, and it is parenting three steps that I believe will help everyone uh, engage in in better parenting techniques. And and so often, and unfortunately... You know, so often we, we don't know. Their kids don't come with a manual, and we don't know what to do. And so we engage in behaviors that, that actually aren't very helpful. They're, they've not been proven to be very effective. And, and one of them is, I'll just give you an example. I was talking to somebody one time, came up to me after a conference that I was doing, and, and he said, you know, uh, just, just this morning before I came here, my son came out and said that he wanted a, a new video game. And I just told him flat out, no. In fact, he added a little bit of colorful language uh, right before the no. Because you don't need one. Your grandma or your aunt, I don't remember who, somebody in the extended family, had just bought him a new game just two weeks before, and you don't need a new game. And so I said to him, the the coffee cup that you walked in with this morning, did you buy that? Yeah. Why didn't you brew it at home? You would have saved money. Well, that's different. No, it really isn't. And so I said to him, I said, what, what would happen if you had just looked at your son? Do you mind if I ask his name? And I don't remember what the guy said. So we'll just call him Kyle. What would happen if you had looked at Kyle and said, okay, Kyle, you want a new game. Your aunt just bought you a game two weeks ago or your grandma, whoever it was, or I just bought you a new game. How much does the game cost? And what kind of work, uh, extra work here around the house are you going to do or around the neighborhood if the kid's are old enough, if it's age appropriate? are you going to do in order to earn the money to buy this new game? In other words, because here's what happened. When he said no, the kid just got mad. He was like, well, I'm just going to punish myself then or ground myself. But he got into swear words, which is a whole other story that we'll get to. What happened was the guy just engaged in a power game with his kid. He didn't actually engage the child. He engaged in power with the child. He engaged in a power struggle with his child. And unfortunately, I see this a lot. I think therapists see this a lot. It is an event that happens pretty frequently where people run into the issue of they watch their clients, where therapists run into the issue of they watch their clients just engage in a power struggle with their kids. And part of this comes out of what my wife and I like to call principles-based living, living out of principles rather than out of something else. Uh, like feelings or emotions, because I tend to be, I could be a reactive guy. By nature, I probably would be. But one of the things that my wife has helped me with is over the years, I've been, con- I have conditioned, been conditioned. I have come to be more principles. And, and so there are principles. And one of my principles that I operate out of is negative consequences, by and large, don't work. This is a change for me. 
Uh, people who played for me as a coach would probably, or as a, who I coached, would probably be a little shocked to hear that. Uh, people now, it's actually kind of funny. This is totally an ADHD moment, but there's a lot of people in my life now that would never even think of me as a coach. And then there's other people in my life who've been in it longer who that's the only con- In fact, they call me coach today, and I haven't coached them in years. Uh, that's neither here nor there. That's just always something funny that I think about. But as you embrace this movement of, of, of principle-based living, it has to come into how you parent. So I don't believe negative consequences work by and large. There's a time to use them, but I think a lot of people go to them right away. Or uh, like, like with that illustration of the guy who came up to me after the conference, one of the things that happens is people just, they don't engage what the child wants. They don't engage teaching them something. They just go straight to know and they get back and forth in a power match, and it's silly. And yeah, you and, and typically the, the the argument I hear back is, well, I'm the parent. But that's a power argument. That's an argument about power. That's not an argument about what is right or best. Right? So so one of the things that, that one of the principles that I live by is I don't typically worry about right or wrong. I worry about wise. If it's wise, it's probably right. In fact, I can't think of anything that would be wise that wouldn't be right. But there are some things that, that technically, legally, whatever the words you want to use there, I could do that would be considered right, but they wouldn't be wise. And, and so one of the principles that we live by is, is what is wise and what is wisdom in this situation as opposed to what does my position allow me to do? How do I position myself on this? And so as we embrace that, even with parenting, one of the questions that I asked him was, do you feel that what you did was wise? And he said, well, it didn't work, which is a great statement. I love when I hear that statement because I always want to ask, well, what's the metric? How do you decide if it worked or it didn't work? Well, he got really mad. Well, there are things that you'll do that are wise, that are good for your children that they'll get mad about. For instance, just last night, my uh, wife and my son were arguing about whether or not he needed to brush his teeth. He just doesn't see the point in having to brush your teeth every night. You just go to sleep afterwards. And so he wasn't overly happy with her. It's okay. It worked out, right? Like he brushed his teeth. She explained it to him. And and here's the thing. If principle-based living works its way into our parenting, one of the principles is your kids are entitled to an opinion. They're even entitled to express it. And you're entitled to teach them what it means to question it. So, so three things that you have to start with. Well, I guess four things. The first thing is you have to engage in principles-based parenting. This will help you be less reactive. This will help you do less things that are reactive in how you parent. A principle that we believe in is empowering your children to make choices and then living in those consequences. And so one of the things that we do is, or when we're working with clients, is we help them, okay, what does it mean to help your child be empowered to make choices and to build their make good choices muscle and reject bad choices muscle? And how do you help them evaluate their choices? And this goes back to an episode a while ago about critical thinking I guess probably for about two months now, I've been on a little bit of a run about that in different episodes. But how do you help your child evaluate the the quality of their decisions? And so when they're little, when they're younger, and we're talking probably 12 and under, it's really pretty simple 
in how you can help motivate their behavior a certain way while teaching them how to evaluate it. And, and my wife, who I call the Wizard of West Michigan, for her therapy skills is really pretty uh, eloquent at this. I, I want to get her on an episode, but right now our schedules just aren't working between all the things that we have in the air. And, and so one of the things that we do is we ignore the behaviors that we don't want to reinforce. So if you've got a three-year-old and they're throwing a temper tantrum on the floor, just ignore them. If you have a nine-year-old and they're just flipping their lid, just ignore them. Now you might say to the nine-year-old, the three-year-old, this probably wouldn't be very helpful. You might say to the nine-year-old, hey, I understand you're having some strong emotions right now or big feelings. You want to use words that they are, are familiar with, strong you know, and, and emotions versus big feelings. Whichever one you want to use there is fine. And, and then you, you would continue with something like, but this is an acceptable behavior, so we're going to let you kind of do your thing. And when you're ready to talk about it or move on, come out and let us know and just walk away. Well, Joe, what if they destroy their room? Okay, in most cases, 99% of the cases, you don't have anything to worry about. If your child's in the 1% where like, hey, they might burn the room down and thus burn the house down, I'm not trying to be a jerk with this next statement, but you're going to need more therapy than a podcast and you should get into regular therapy. And maybe you already are. And if you are, that's great. If you're not, start. I'm not being facetious. If, if your child's going to burn the room down, uh, A, how would they do that? But but I've had people ask me that question. I was like, well, what do they have in their room that could start a fire? Well, we don't know. Sometimes they hide lighters. Well, if your child's eight and they're hiding lighters in the room, get therapy. Get into regular therapy. Find out what's going on and get, get help. And I don't say that like, I'm always kind of surprised at how people get offended when you're like, hey, you probably ought to get therapy. Nobody would care if they had, like, had a cavity. I was like, hey, you got to go see my dentist. Or if they needed glasses, oh, dude, have you seen Warby Parker? This is this show is not sponsored by Warby Parker, but if you guys want to, reach out. Uh, but I, I love to buy my glasses there. I find that they have great customer service, and I like their styles. Or Zinni, or this place, or that place. Nobody's offended. I say, hey, you got to consider therapy, and suddenly people are offended. But most of the time, you have nothing to worry about. Maybe they break something, then you clean it up, and you talk about how our choices bring consequences. I had a client there... 10-year-old son broke his Xbox. They took my advice and they did this and they came in the next week. Well, it didn't work. I was like, what do you mean it didn't work? And they're like, well, he broke his Xbox. I'm like, well, did you buy him a new one? Yes. That's why it didn't work. He didn't have to live in the consequences of his behavior. Go take the Xbox that you just bought him and sell it. What? Yeah, sell it. Well, we won't make money. Right, because you need consequences to help you remember what wisdom is the next time you make a choice. So go sell it and... Uh, Donate the money to a charity. Make him donate the money to a charity. Because he was being selfish when he broke it because he was having a temper tantrum because he was experiencing big emotions and now he has to live in those consequences. And, and, and giving money to a charity is thinking about other people. It's the opposite of selfishness. So, so do that. We ignore the behaviors that we don't want to see and we reward the behaviors that we do want to see. Sometimes... That's just as simple as a positive affirmation. Hey, uh, I noticed that you did that. Really good job. In fact, one of my employees, uh, one of their duties is to wash dishes. And it doesn't always get done with this particular employee. So I was talking to her about it. And I walked in this morning knowing she had worked last night. And it was amazing. I was like, oh, wow, that you did a really good job. And she was like, yeah, that's because I paid Cadence, who's a daughter of mine, 
to wash them because it was gross. I don't care. It got done. She, her, her job is to make sure the dishes get washed. If she wants to use her own money to do it, that's on her. Right? So, we, and I said, either way, you got them done. I appreciate it. That's good uh, affirmation. And that's with somebody who, who's an adult. That's not a child. But it works with children too. Hey, here is, uh, you did this. I wanted you, ah, man, imagine if I could talk, people. We wanted you to do this. I wanted you to do this. And you did it. And I'm proud of you. Thank you for doing it. Sometimes, if you really want to start a new behavior, you might say to them, uh, okay, how many days in a row could you do this? And if they say four, okay, what do you think is a reasonable reward for doing that? And they say, okay, and then you give them the reward. One of, one of my mentors who uh, taught this, actually also taught it to my wife, uh, tells this story about how he had clients who came in and their, their 10-year-old uh, was was doing a behavior that they wanted to stop. So he said, okay, negotiate with her. What is the behavior? Like, how many days in a row could you go without doing this behavior? Or if you went a week, what would you like your reward to be? And then it just restarts every week. And she chose the second one. So she said, if I went a week, I'd like fruit snacks. And I, don't, I think it was fruit snacks. I don't remember exactly. It was something very mundane like that. And the mom had kind of banned fruit snacks from the house. And so she was like, well, I don't know. And he gave her the advice. I think you ought to do it. One pack of fruit snacks a week isn't going to kill her. Um, and so she did. And he said, but here's the thing. When you go back to her, you say, okay, here's the fruit snacks. If you do this thing for a week, you get the fruit snacks. But if you don't do it, you have to give it to your eight-year-old sister. The power of choices, right? So you ignore the behaviors you don't want. You, you reaffirm the behaviors that you do want. And you teach them to negotiate. Now, look, here's the thing. And I always get, I always, ah, I get frustrated. And even now I'm thinking about a conversation. And when people push back on this idea of teaching their child to negotiate, people get mad. Like, well, I don't get to negotiate at work. No, actually you do. The fact that you don't proves that you were never taught how to negotiate. Because negotiating doesn't mean you always win. I've had employees come to me and be like, hey, uh, I, I deserve a raise. And I'd go look at their numbers and come back and be like, actually, no, you don't. You, you need to improve. And it's okay. Sometimes I'm like, oh, you know what? Hey, I looked at the numbers. You're right. Or what do you want? Nope, that doesn't. The market doesn't bear that price. We've done that. I've negotiated things before. Right now, I'm selling my motorcycle. If you know anybody that wants one, have them give me a call. I got a great motorcycle on sale for them. I want to get a boat for my family. But I'll negotiate that. I, I probably won't negotiate much, to be honest, with the price point I have it at. But you're teaching your child a real-life adult skill that they're going to need. And one of the principles that I live by is, is I'm not raising children. I'm raising adults who are currently children. And look, I'm not perfect. I have things that I wish I had done differently. I talked a few weeks ago about how my daughter is graduating next spring and how that has brought grief and sadness and some depression and my children are growing up. And even though I think that's a great thing, I miss the younger years. I look at them fondly. I love being a dad. I've made mistakes and I've done some things well, but this is not about me. This is about a principle that I know works. Ignore the behaviors you don't want. Affirm the behaviors you do want. And sometimes you affirm them or ignore them by negotiating. Now, this has to be age appropriate. 
Your three-year-old's throwing a temper tantrum. You ignore that. that that's about all you can do. You're probably not going to be able to negotiate with your three-year-old. But your nine-year-old you can negotiate with. Your seven-year-old you can negotiate with. This is why we have little tyrants and blah, 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 blah. That's, that's, a, that's not even an argument that warrants a response, but I'll respond. That's stupid. We, we have tyrants because we've not taught people how to regulate themselves, which we're going to get to in a minute. But teaching them to negotiate isn't just, you don't just give in. You're teaching them a real life skill. And if you just give in, then yeah, you're probably creating a tyrant. But then you're not negotiating, you're doing something else. And so you teach your child how to engage the process. I used to do a, uh, a, a parents and technology event. And I'm pretty sure I'm not invited back because I said, we don't have a whole lot of technology rules. And somebody was like, so if I hear you right... What you're saying is I should just let my 10-year-old play 10 hours a day. Yeah, because he won't. If you, do, if, if you do any parenting at all, he won't. If you took all the energy that you put into setting rules and, okay, if you want to be on technology, you got to do push-ups or you got to go sweep dust out of the driveway. I've heard these. If you put all that energy into setting up things that are actually interesting, besides technology, you'll find that they'll play in other things. My son does not have a whole... Now, there, yeah, he can't take the phone to bed with him. Like, hey, give me that. But, you, you know, it's interesting. We get home, I don't tell him, okay, you can't be on technology. Sometimes I do. Occasionally, because we're principal parenting. We're not all or nothing parenting. But it's amazing. Last night I got home, he had his phone in his hand. He put it down, and he started to play with Matchbox cars. Because you're teach when When there isn't some artificial rule... You're teaching them how to regulate himself. You're teaching them how to look at other things. So I invite them to do other things with me. When I'm cutting the grass, the other day I was weed whipping. Uh, man, that Michigan term has gotten to me. I was weed eating because I'm an East Coast boy. I was weed eating down at the edge of my driveway, which is, is I, I've got these blades on the edge of my uh, weed eater, and it's just shooting stuff everywhere. I'm like, hey, buddy, you want to come down? He did, but then when stuff started flying, he was like, I think I'm going to go back up to the house. Okay, have fun. And he'll run around the yard. And at any time, he could go get on his device and engage in this technology monster. Because it isn't about technology. It's about principles. So we ignore the behaviors we don't want. We reward the behaviors we do want. So here's the thing. I don't need to reward him. I don't need to compliment him on being on technology. So when he's playing with his other things, I make sure I engage him in those. I talk to him about those. I still talk to him about technology. I still talk to him about what he's watching. The kid's watching science videos. Sometimes I have to go brush up on the topic. He's eight, and I have to go brush up on the topic in order to have the discussion with him. And, and you can disagree with me, and that's fine, but my question would be, why do you disagree? If you're angry right now that I am hammering on, on technology rules as being, in my opinion, silly, why does that anger you? If it doesn't anger you, you're like, I just think you're wrong. Okay, why do you think I'm wrong? I'm willing to have that conversation. I'd love to have that conversation. Well, science says, yeah, but I'm a little nervous about that science because it's not hard science. It's kind of like when they told us unequivocally that eggs were bad for us. Time Magazine ran a picture of eggs uh, and bacon frowning on, on the front of their magazine, case closed. Turns out, whoops, not so much. Well, Joe, don't you think that kids are worse today because of technology? No, I think they miss out. 
I, I do think they miss out. Like like when I was a kid, we would play till the streetlights came on and mom would yell down the street, but we don't live in that world anymore. There's too many dangerous things that can happen. And I know people are like, well, stranger abduction is overblown. It is. I agree. It's not that common, but it's still too high for me to feel all that safe with my kids just playing down the street and me not knowing where they are. So I think they miss out on things. And, and if kids are more misbehaved today, I truly believe it's because we're raising adults that don't know how to emotionally regulate. Which brings me to the third thing that we do, or the fourth thing, depending on how you're numbering this, right? Is you have to teach your kids emotional language. One of the things that constantly amazes me is how often I sit in my room with people who have no emotional vocabulary. They don't know how to engage in, in their emotions because they don't have a vocabulary that allows them to engage in their emotions. And so if you run that backwards, we're working with adults who, who one of the biggest problems isn't the fact that they explode at their wife or their children. That's a problem. It isn't the fact that they punch holes in the wall. Not only is that a problem, but it's stupid. It isn't the fact that they're an alcoholic. It isn't a fact that they're a serial cheater. It isn't a fact that their communication sucks. Those are all symptoms of the bigger problem, which is they don't have an emotional vocabulary to deal with big emotions or big feelings. And the problem with that is that means if they're adults and they don't have that ability, they were never taught it. So when should we teach them? As soon as you possibly can. And here's how it works. And again, this is not because I'm a perfect parent. It's just reality. A couple days ago, my wife has these pillows on our bed that are worthless. Like they came with the comforter. They match the comforter. They have these giant buttons on them. But they literally just stay on the bed so that when you go to bed at night, you can take them off the bed. Well, and they're split in the back of the pillow. So my son likes to crawl in there and, and hang out. And, and the other day he was doing that and he couldn't get out. I'm like, Joey, you need to get out. He's like, I'm trying. Joey, you need to get out. And then he starts to rip it. And I'm like, son... You need to get out. And that I'm, I'm probably actually not nearly as loud as I was. I wasn't screaming, but I was yelling. And he looks at me and says, please don't yell at me. I don't like that. Could you just tell me that you're frustrated with me? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can, Mr. Seven-year-old, eight-year-old soon. Yeah, I can. He has an emotional vocabulary. He can express his emotions. Now, here's the thing. If you teach your child to express their emotions, you have to be able to handle them, right? It's kind of like one of the things that we talk a lot about with couples is one of them will often ask a question of the other one and not be able to handle the answer. Well, that's not a good way to build emotional security. And it's the same thing with our children. If we're going to give them emotional vocabulary, we have to be able to handle their response. We have to be able to engage in their in, in their negative emotions in a way that is healthy, which means we have to be able to understand our own emotions. But now we're back to principle-based living and principle-based parenting. There are so many values to you teaching your child emotional vocabulary. Right now, I understand that you're, you're very upset. Can you tell me what you're... And when I'm talking now when they're little, they're three years old. Can you tell me what you're feeling? Now, if they're a talker, if they're not talking, this won't be helpful, right? But if they're talking, what you're feeling is anger. Now, here's the thing. Just because you do it at three doesn't mean you won't have to do it again and again and again and again and again. At three, at four, at five, at six, at seven, at eight, at nine, at 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. And at some point, they start to just express their emotions to you. We have a lot of examples of our son being able to do this at a young age. Not all of my children were able to do it at a young age, but they all, okay, this happened and that's how I felt. We That's good communication. This happened and that's how I felt about it. And we want them to be able to express it. 
So we, you know, when he's acting in a way that we don't want him to act, we ignore that. So if he's throwing a temper tantrum, kicking his feet, screaming, okay, I understand you're upset. Can you tell me why you're upset? That's facts, feelings. Can you tell me what upset you? Can you tell me what you're feeling? Can you use words? And here's the thing. It's almost become a joke. I'm pretty sure there's a t-shirt somewhere that says, use your words, which is fine. But we've got to go beyond that. That's like saying drive safe. We've got to tell them what driving safe is. What does safe driving look like? And so we have to go beyond, hey, use your words to help them understand this word goes with this feeling. This feeling goes with this word. This is what good emotional communication looks like. And so you have to teach your children how to express their emotions. You have to give them emotional vocabulary because the thing is, if they don't have an emotional vocabulary, they probably only have bad ways to express to you what they're feeling. They probably only have negative behaviors to express to you how they're feeling a negative emotion because they don't know how to express it because you didn't give them the definition. You didn't give them the words. And I'm not pointing my finger at you. This is just something I'm really passionate about. I want to be clear on that. Teach your child emotional vocabulary. For some of you, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You need to learn emotional vocabulary. And that would be great. Do it. Whether you go to a counselor or you get some books on it or you do some Google searches. I don't care what you do. Learn about emotional regulation because we have to teach our child emotional regulation, but we can't teach them emotional regulation until we teach them emotional words. So if you just learn about emotional regulation, but you don't learn about emotional words and how emotional words fit feelings and situations, you're going to struggle to teach emotional regulation. And so we start by ignoring the behaviors that we don't want to reinforce. We purposely reinforce the behaviors that we want to see. And then we start to encase those two actions with education for our child about what is emotions, how, what, what happened and what did I feel? What is the emotion that you're feeling? What's going on inside of you? Well, that's probably this emotion. And so we help them develop an emotional vocabulary because words are powerful. They allow us to express what we're feeling, what we're thinking, how, it, how we feel about it, what we do. And as we create this opportunity for our child to develop their emotional vocabulary, we create a safe space, a safe place, a safe opportunity for them to express to us in a healthy way what they're feeling and vice versa. I promise you, if you set off on a, a mission to teach your child emotional vocabulary, it's going to cause you to grow. It's going to stretch you. It's going to move you. It's going to cause you, especially when your kid starts to get it and they turn it around on you. So one of the things my son likes to box and uh, he'll, he'll hit joking, but it's not overly, he doesn't control it. And he's pretty strong. And so I'm like, Hey dude, you can't hit people. So one day his mom and I were joking, my wife, and, and I smacked her with the back of my hand and arm. And he goes, oh, so uh, it's okay for you to hit mom and not me. And I know that there are people that would flip out on that. I saw it as a great teaching moment of like, well, actually, let's talk about that. And so one of the principles that I engage in as a parent is I believe that everything is about parenting. So whether it's or about teaching. So the technology thing, yeah, I don't have a lot of rules. Uh, the hitting, I do have some rules, but not a lot. I don't believe in negative consequences. I, I think they work very, very sparingly. The, the, the success rate on those is not very high. Natural consequences are best. 
And so one of the things that I tell my kids is like, look, you can choose these things and you'll get good consequences, or you can choose these things and you'll get bad consequences, but the choice is always yours. I'm not going to inflate consequences after I've laid that out for you. And we are going to talk about, tell me how you're feeling. Hey, so this, you're doing this. Does that mean you feel this? And I don't tell them how they're failing. I invite them to tell me. And sometimes when they don't know, I say, well, have you thought it might, have you thought about how it might be this emotion? And I have four kids. I'll get four different reactions to that question. But it's not about their reaction. It's about me offering to them the opportunity to examine themselves so that they can look at their emotional state of being, so that they can look at what they're feeling and how it connects to what happened. Because remember, we've talked about this in the past. Good communication almost always consists of facts and feelings. Something happened and I have a feeling about it. You did something and I have a feeling about it. You said something and I have a feeling about it. I did something and I have a feeling about it. I said something and I have a feeling about it. Whatever it is, it, it, it combines those two. The broad pillars that brings those two truths together. This happened. That's how I felt. That's emotional vocabulary. So we want to teach that to our children. You're frustrated right now because you want to be on your device and it's it's bedtime. It's time to go to bed. Uh, you're upset because you want to go to a friend's party and we said no. Uh, you're, you're feeling angry because you got hurt at school today and somebody said something mean. I wonder if you consider that you're angry as a response to actually feeling hurt and the pain preceded the anger. Once you have this foundation down, you can move to teaching them how to understand how emotions work for primary emotions, secondary emotions, uh, how, hey, look, so this, here's what it feels like. When I talk about this, you know, the bright flashing sign, but really it's this thing over here that's a little more hidden that's probably driving that behavior. Think about right now in, in, in America, there's a lot of people afraid. There's people afraid that, that we're being lied to and that COVID is being used as a political means for control. There's people that are afraid that other people aren't taking it serious enough. There's, there's my Democrat friends believe that Trump didn't act enough. My Democrat friends or, or my Republican friends believe that, that well, governors reacted too much. And, and there's fear. And the problem is we don't have the ability to sit in that negative emotion. So we're just kind of going off like live wires attacking people. We don't have a lot of conversations in our society about things that two people passionately believe in and disagree on because we've not learned to be able to handle strong emotions in part. And I believe that this is probably a majority of the part because we've not developed an emotional vocabulary. Okay, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have questions, I'd love to hear them. Joe at joemartino.com. Please put podcast in the subject line. Uh, this is something I'm very passionate about. I, I could go on for another a long time talking about the benefits of this. Ignore the behaviors you don't want. Reinforce the behaviors you do want. Use consequences sparingly. Ne- negative, artificially trumped up con- consequences sparingly. And then... Teach your child emotional vocabulary. Be willing to negotiate. Hey, if you do this, here's the reward. If you don't do this, here's the consequence. And then teach them emotional vocabulary. Give your kid, your child, a gift that will serve them through their whole life. The gift of having emotional vocabulary. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time.
change possible.